Welcome everyone, I'm Dominic, CTO and co-founder of DropSolid and welcome to our podcast, the Open Digital Experience Podcast. We will be talking about content management systems, digital experience platforms, everything you need to build the best customer experience. We will be talking about Drupal, Matic, everything open source to do this and we will be interviewing experts from inside our company and also outside our company. So, if you have 30 minutes, you go on a bike ride, go on a, a, a drive, put on our podcast and enjoy and learn everything digital experience. Welcome to the Digital Experience Podcast by Drop Solid, where we talk about all things digital, from strategy and technologies like Drupal, to automation and from data or DXP ecosystems to success stories. With every episode, we dig a little deeper into the true value, the best practices and the positive effect of frictionless experience. Thanks for tuning in and let's get inspired. Hello everyone, good day. I'm Dominic, CTO and co-founder at TropSolid and I'm here with Wesley, uh, one of our solution architects and uh, pre-sales engineers. Welcome Wesley. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Welcome everyone. (laughs) All right. So first of all, Wesley, what is a a pre-sales engineer? What is a solution architect? Enlightenness. Um, well, um, the, as a solution architect um, at, uh, at DropSolid, you the your biggest job is uh, working together with the with our uh, account managers and uh, the sales team and um, finding the best possible solution um, for a client. So thinking about how the how the the the, the problems and the, and the, the goals they want want to get to, how we can solve them and uh, and what the best possible solution is for that obviously also calculating the price for that um, i don't do that alone but uh, but that's basically my major job like checking in uh with the team who is who is calculating and who is thinking about how how the entire project will work and um, and see how much time that we will spend on that uh, and, uh, and trying to get a, get out an offer that is um that works for the clients and that and that is um uh, that brings a lot of value to them uh, so most mostly that is what what, what an, uh, a solution architect is doing here okay so and what are the methodologies you use to find out what technical solutions are uh, most valuable for the customer well, I think the important part here is to to know what kind of customer we are having. That depends on on how digitally mature a client is. So um, uh, sometimes uh, we need to involve um, uh, our strategists uh, to think about how how uh, to help the client on on what uh, what they want and and that they know for sure what they want. But the important thing is is to understand what the what the client uh, is trying to reach with this project. Uh, what is the goal of the project? Is is trying to do? Is it a is it a, a project that is focused on on lead generation? So you want a lead generation 
kind of, kind of tool or if you just want the on the project that is that's trying to to inform pe people uh, if you're some kind of organization that has has a goal to inform people then you have a very different kind of project and so we have a different different approach and we always start from okay where do you want want to go where do, what goals do you want to reach with your project and and only if we know that we can we can decide what the correct technical solution is for you so um uh, a lead generation website has a has a has a very technically different approach well, not that different but at least a bit of a difficult different approach to to uh, to a site that is mainly focused on on writing just content so people can can browse it and and, and, and read about it so knowing what the what, what the end goal of the project is is a that's very important here um and are there any methodologies you use to achieve this um not sure what you mean with methodologies we don't we don't really or what you're you're looking for with methodologies um like for example if you deliver a project you use the the agile methodology to, oh, okay. uh, to uh, yeah. Yeah, i understand what you mean but that's more more of the the actual execution and also we obviously think think about that as well uh so we have that really depends on what your um uh, how the client wants to work work together with, with us we can either have, work on a on a purely fixed price so we, we think about like uh this is um this is going to be the entire project and calculate it we, we make sure that everything is in there and then we, we have a buffer or we have more of an agile methodology where, where we say like we have some big blocks we think uh we can do it in an x amount of sprints and then cal calculate the cost for a sprint obviously and then and then we go from from there and that's that's the the two main differences how, how we go about it right if you go for a, for a more of an agile way where we more we go more on a resource base then and obviously the client has much more options to change what we are doing uh and and to really focus on the value we do it in fixed price offers as well to be honest and and um but those are two very different way, ways of, of, of estimating a, a project um another way what, what that's something i do a lot is, uh, is, is um if we're still in in the, in the early days of our projects then a client often requires a like a ballpark so he wants to know what is is, is going to be the total cost of the, of the project but i don't know every detail um and that is also very very much like okay uh what are the what are the biggest uh parts of this project and then uh, and we look into one of them estimate that one and then from there on uh compare every every chapter we usually call them um to to one another so we say okay this small one we estimated it's gonna be two thousand euro but then um uh, this one is gonna be double the work or or this one is going to be less work then uh we add that all together and then then that that's a way on, on how to get to a ballpark uh of a, um, of a project and uh, that's very very similar to how uh, how uh, agile teams do poker planning actually uh, it's very very similar to giving giving story points uh but then we don't give story points to, uh, to a user story but to an entire chapter and eventually to to uh 
to a cost to come to a, an entire cost <clears throat> of that project. Okay. And what kind of tools you use as a pre-sales engineer solution architect? Hmm. Good question. There are, there are quite a, a big range of tools that we use. So, um, most obvious one is um, Excel or Google Sheets, whichever one you prefer. We use Google Sheets here. Um, and and uh, we have a, a couple of templates to really start to to um, start to input the 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 different the different chapters and and eventually the different users stories that we that we want to estimate. But um, that's only for actually getting getting to the numbers. Before that, uh, tool that I use actually the most is just uh, uh, Drupal.org. I, I spend a lot of my time uh, looking for the right module and and. I usually already know the module, but then I, I, I really have to look into like, uh, is this feature something that is by default uh, or how, how much time do we are gonna have to spend to to make it work in this situation. And um, so yeah, I actually spent quite some time on, on, on Drupal.org and I really see it as a tool and in, in, in that uh, I, I use it as a tool like, like investigating which module would be the right fit for, for, for this. So I use that a lot, and then uh, then I talking a lot with my colleagues is also very important, especially uh, with the developers. Um, if I uh, they are not, you can't really call them a tool, but uh, it's more of a resource. <laughs> no, it, it's obviously not a tool, but they're, they're, we won't tell them. Yeah, <laughs> you call them a tool. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell. Them. All right, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I see them really as a, as an important resource for me because I have to ask them. I, I've been a developer for quite some time, but but, um, but I, I I have to check in quite a lot with the, with the developers to ask them like how would you approach this, and also it's important to get a second opinion on things. Uh, if you if you you think you get in a sort of tunnel vision where you think ah oh, it's going to be okay, I'm going to do that and that and that and that, and, that, and we use that module and it's all going to be okay, but it's important to check in with your colleagues from time to time like and, and they. They have an extra extra pair of eyes on it on, on how to reach a goal, especially because at that point it's still very theoretical. It's it's you're not really already building the, the thing, so you're just thinking, uh, will this work? Will that work? So it's important to to get a second pair of eyes on that. Right. Okay. Um, you're talking Drupal, so yeah, obviously Dropsolid is uh, doing uh, doing a lot of Drupal. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, preferred CMS in uh, in when when we are building digital experiences, uh, open digital experiences. Can you talk about a bit more about the the the, the Drupal specifics and uh, pre-sales engineering and uh, solution architecture? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, obviously we, we use Drupal, and uh, there's a um, the interesting part about about using Drupal is that it's uh, it's extremely flexible, um, uh, so you can almost build everything with Drupal. Um, everything is maybe a bit much, but <laughs> at least for from a, a digital experience standpoint, you can almost build build uh, everything. Uh, but there is also a bit of a trap there because because we can build almost absolutely everything. Uh, you also have to configure a lot of stuff and things take a lot of time to, to do that. 
Um, so, and then, and yeah, like I said, we were looking for value for the client. So we want to, we want to limit the amount of time that we spend on it. So, so we can, for the least amount of time that we have to spend it, given the, the, the maximum value. So, um, the way we do that here in, uh, in, uh, in DropSolid is uh, with our uh, install profile, for example. Um, I am the, also the, the product owner of our install profile called uh, Rocketship. And the focus there is really to minimize the amount of time that we spend on setting up a project. So, and uh, the, the less we have to do to set up a new project and, and already have as much of our defaults in there, like or SEO defaults or, or, or defaults around um, how we uh, we manage content or our clients manage content, like stuff like Layout Builder and how we use the Layout Builder. With Layout Builder is already in there by default, so we have to spend less time on the on the basics. And um, and that's important because uh, we, we use it a lot to get to get to a uh, um, an MVP uh, to get to a product that is already usable, uh, and uh, in some cases that's important because a client may want to go have a very quick time to market, and I want to to um, to release something as quick as possible. And then having something like an install profile where there is already quite a lot a lot of stuff in there uh, that we don't need to configure every time over uh, helps us a lot. Um, so yeah, that's that's. That's our approach to keeping the flexibility of Drupal there, but avoiding that we need to configure everything over and over again in the same kind of matter. And and it also helps for 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 having having defaults that we don't forget things as well. Uh, say. So um, that's something specific about Drupal. And also, like I I just told, like having all the different contrib modules um, available. Um, is extremely important because then you um, then you all, you can always try to match. Okay, this is the requirement. Oh, I know this module. We can we can already have ninety percent of what this client needs if you just install this module. Obviously, the ten percent is going to be a bit a bit of custom work, but that's fine. Um, so um, um, yeah. But that's the that's the the specifics about you using Drupal in in the pre sales and how to get to to an estimation uh, there and uh, what. Okay, you you talk about uh, rocket ship, mm -hmm. the Drupal distribution. You're also the the product owner of yep. the distribution. Um, how how did your uh, your work as a solution architect help you in being a product owner? for this Drupal distribution? Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a bit a bit of a, a, a how do we call that two-way street, like like it works in both both ways. It it helps me. It helps a lot knowing what is in our distribution because if I know every single bit of it, I know very well what we can achieve and how much time it will take. And so that's that, that helps in, in, in that way, uh, but in the other way, um, it helps because because uh, I talk a lot to clients and um, and especially I talk a, a lot to clients when they are not entirely sure what they want yet, um, but they have rough rough ideas and 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 we talk a lot about 
uh, what they want to reach with their, with their project. And that helps a lot in making decisions for our distribution because then um, I, <clears throat> I know like uh, a client really, really wants to do like um, most of our clients really, really focus on, on, uh, on content building and having a, a very good experience there is important for them. It's much more important for them to be able to have the freedom to do, to do build a page and, and to do on it whatever they need to do, like building a very engaging page, like if they want to sell something or they want to explain something on, the, on, on, on that page, if they have the possibilities to do that themselves, and that's especially true for, for our clients who are usually people who have, have a bit more experience and really want, who, who are mostly in the, in the marketing departments. So it helps me knowing them um, uh, what brings the most value to them. So uh, before when I, I was doing development, you're not really in content with, with the marketing departments of the project you work on. You are sometimes, but not all the time. Um, but you get to know them uh, as, a, as a solution architect much better, and then you know what what really triggers them and what really what they're really looking for uh, in a in a website or in a in a digital project. And then uh, yeah, that helps a lot. All right. Okay. Maybe for uh, the developers uh, under us um, who are working on projects in teams and they have. Uh, they have ambition on becoming a solution architect, a pre-sales engineer. Mm -hmm. What do they need to focus on? Hmm. So if you want to, if you, if your ambition is to become a, a solution ar architect and, and, and if you want to work in pre-sales, first of all, you need a lot of technical knowledge. Uh, you really need to know what you're doing because it's impossible to, to, Estimate how much work is, is it going to be uh, without having some experience. So that's a bit of a hard one. You you really need a couple of years of experience before <clears throat> before you, you can actually start on undo, doing big estimations. It's also a, a, a bit of policy. Here we um, I'm not going to let somebody who who is just a junior already give them a, the assignment of uh, estimate how much work is going to be because they don't. Know. So that's that's a. The, that's a, a first one. You need you need some experience in, in building and some experience, in in in, in our case in Drupal specifically, uh, on on how things are, are being built. And then from there on, how, how um, many years, Wesley? How many years you would say you uh, need? I would say at least two to three years. I, 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 two I, I to think three years. The, that's the minimum. If you feel comfortable, if you say like, okay. Um, I think two to three years is mostly the time where you you can call yourself at least a media developer. So probably, like I would say, like we need a, at least a media developer to to do some estimations. Um, but also, usually, you you don't start on, on estimating an entire project. Uh, usually, people who, who start with doing pre-sales work they start on on upsells. So they know the project already. A client asks for a new feature, and then you estimate that and that part. Then it's an important part uh, for um, our project owners. So every project in Dropsolid has a project owner who is a technical person who really knows everything from that specific project. And then we usually look to them if the client has a, has a, has a new request uh, to already make an estimation for that new feature. 
and that helps you and you build up you, you if you have to make um an estimation for something like a new content type and an overview stuff like it's it's very limited and then then uh, then you get help from your colleagues and and you 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 grow from there and then <laughs> then you start when you have your first probably smaller project uh, uh, we, we do projects for clients who who only have a limited budget and and uh, and usually they they only require a couple of content types and not a lot of integration so so these are the are are, are the projects that you start on so if you want if you have that ambition you should really like uh, like uh, go for that like start with with the upsells then go for the for the smaller projects and eventually um you'll learn uh, because um that's the thing with with uh, with estimation. You can do it at this point, and you may think that you you have done a good estimation. The truth is, you will only know when you're developing it if it was a good estimation. And usually, that's gonna be if it's an upsell, maybe a couple of weeks later. If it's a big project, usually a month or two later. If it's a very big project, you'll only know next year if it's if it was a good estimation, and then then uh, and then you'll. And that's that's the annoying part there. <laughs> Your colleagues will know where to find you if you, if you didn't do it well. Uh, but yeah, that's also <laughs> part of the learning curve, I guess. <laughs> so 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 let's say like you're estimating like the the 500k projects. Like you need to be pretty senior, right? Like how many years? What what kind of what kind of things do you need to have been doing to estimate a project like this? um i think the important part when you you if you get to that level if you're doing like a really big one like the 500k plus that, that's 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 a lot of responsibility <laughs> so you you need to be a responsible person what you're doing is you're making very big decisions not only for your your direct colleagues who will be doing it but for the entire company uh, if you if you miss by a by 10 or 20 percent on a on a 500k budget that's gonna have to, there is going to be impact uh for the for the entire company so yeah responsibility uh thinking about your company uh, and thinking about what risk can we take with, with our company how far can we can we go that's an important part um yeah experience is is, is very important but also know your colleagues like i said before um you need to interact a lot with your colleagues so you know that what you're doing works um like for me a big help is that i know almost all the developers very personally and i know which project they are, they are working so if i see something that is um that is similar to something we have already built i will always go and talk to the that person and say like i like so yeah you, you need to be kind of a people person too you need to know people um you need to need to be able to talk to them and and um and uh and ask them like how did you do that and and how how much time did you spend on it uh, uh so i talking to people yeah um stress resistance <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna do a, a 500k project you have to be stress resistant not only because it's a big number to deal with but also because usually they're very tight deadlines um, uh, like it's a very very different kind of environment and when you're um if you're just doing development you're working on something and you're working on something that is getting uh that 
when you're programming something and at the end you know if it works it's very simple and we know if it works or it doesn't work you may have a bug but then you do some rework and you get to that there is no such thing in, in, in estimation and definitely not no such thing in sales uh, you you have to give your number and then um like i said you only know afterward if it's right or not but also if you're working on that you'll probably be working on your estimations for several weeks and if you're unlucky, we don't win the project. And then, then, then something personally you, ha you have to be able to handle. It's not, not always happy news in, in, in sales. It is from time to time, luckily, but, uh, but yeah, not always. And it's also something you need to understand that, that, that there are going to be disappointment moments, pretty big ones, the bigger the project you're, you're going to be working on. And, uh, yeah, you get a bit involved with the project and you really want to win it and then you don't win because for whatever pain reason. of rejection yeah yeah pain of rejection. pretty much to be honest uh, um, um and that's that's uh, normal it has to hurt because otherwise um you, you have to be quite passionate uh, to, to to really um work on the deadline and really find every every part of that that uh, that estimation that uh, maybe you can go a bit lower here but not this one because that's a big bit of a bit bigger risk and we don't want it uh, so uh, yeah yeah, yeah I, those I, are I, the I, important parts there um yeah. how, how, how when when with because that's that's always the thing uh, with projects like you don't want to put too much fat in the project that you don't win it because you become too expensive but you also want to keep keep some fat uh, on the belly because uh, yeah then uh, the colleagues who have to deliver it especially uh, mm -hmm. if it's in tenders with fixed price with yep. um, less options uh, to work agile mm -hmm. how, how, how do you manage this tension between the market and uh, the internal company with uh, the people who have to deliver the project mm. I always say I am doing my job perfectly if I am making my account manager or sales people a bit mad and I also make my developers a bit mad. If they're all, if the both of them are a bit on the edge, then I know that that's, that's the sweet spot. spot. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I say that as a, a bit as a joke, it's not really true. Uh, but um, uh, I think it is true. It is true. <laughs> But I don't try to make them really angry on me. But but yeah, uh, you have to keep people on, on, on edge, especially uh, for me, because I I I, um, I usually I'm not the only one who works on it. So it's usually other other developers who are doing the, the estimation, and I'm getting involved to to bring everything together. And then uh, our salespeople or management, uh, they're like, oh, it needs to go lower, and I'm like, nah, it can go there. So yeah, keeping people on on edge is important there, and but also. Um, uh, you need to be a, need to, yeah, judge. Be be a good judge of of character from the, from the client, the, the client that you talk to, or if you can, sometimes you can't even talk to the client, or only very little for tenders. Then you really need to read read the document, like, and understand: do they know what they want, or are they going to the minute that we send out the offer already have ten other ideas that they really think that should be in there? But haven't really talked about, but expect that it will be in there, um, and that's an important part too. Because then we're talking about, about uh, like you call it, the fats or the, the the margin that 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 you have left on a on a project to to, to deal with that. Because you don't want to end up in a situation where 
in the very first meeting you have with that client, you already have to say, ah, oh, sorry, we did not estimate that. Oh, sorry, <laughs> we have not foreseen that. Yeah, you you want you. It's not a good way of of starting a relationship. Um, so yeah, balancing act, uh, of course, and and judging what 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 you think that this, this client is capable of. Does he really know what what, what he wants? On uh, uh, how far can I go in that? Yeah, because what do you do when you detect that a customer is not digitally mature enough, and you really see that okay, this is they're asking for a project, but actually we're going to estimate something and it's going to be it's always going to be too much or too little or yeah the the, the vision is is not yet there then what happens what do you do we actually have a, have, a, have a couple of different processes in place uh first one is, uh, is qualifying we do a lot of qualifying before we actually start to do the work and if we're not if you're feeling that uh this is not going to be a good match for us or there's too much risk involved. They really don't 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 know what what they want. We will take that into account in our uh, uh, qualification. Um, we have a lot of parameters to to think about when when qualifying. Uh, but that's definitely one of them. How digitally mature is it? Uh, is it is the company or the, or um, or the people who are working on it? So taking that into account and sometimes even saying, okay, this is not the right project for us. Um, and then the next step is usually if we see like um, we really want to work with this client because for whatever reason there are plenty of good reasons to work together with, with the company but but they're not really digitally mature then then we try if okay maybe instead of just going straight for the offer and saying this is the solution that you need uh, uh will will involve uh, uh or a strategist and then and, and say like uh okay find we see that you have certain idea, but maybe maybe we need we need to um, we need to do a, a bit of a more searching on, on what you really want, and then 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 we try to sell them that. Like can we sell them sell them something of a, a project where they where they get um, where they really sit together, do a couple of workshops, and really think about how how the, how uh, how they want to reach their goals. Um, but obviously. We cannot always do that. It only happens in certain cases, like, like the, the 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 public tenders. Yeah, that's usually not an option. It's just here's here's our files. Uh, this is what we want, and then uh, then the, then we in that case we we still do it, but we don't sell it them sell it to them separately. Then we we foresee in the budget and in the timing sometime ahead of the project before development starts to get get that cleared out, and usually. That involves some strategy, but obviously also some uh, analysis. So then we spend a bit more time. We see, we make instead of our usual two to three workshops, then we might, may have to do eight workshops before we totally know what 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 the what the project is going to be. So we need to account for that, and then, then we need to add budget. But basically, what I'm saying is, is I think there's there's also always there um, are actually three three things that you need to take. Uh, Take into account there's budget. Uh, obviously, what is the budget gonna be? There's scope, and there's a deadline, and, and uh, only two of those three can be fixed. Uh, so if a client comes comes to us and he says, "Well, I have a very tight deadline, and uh, and uh, and I have I don't know 
100k to develop this then the, there's only one part where you can talk about and that's scope um uh, and, uh, and most of the time they also have the scope in mind eh? yeah true <laughs> but, but yeah yeah the, the, how, however hard we try i cannot ask a developer if a developer tells tells me it's going to take two hours and i go to them no you have to do it at one hour it's going to look at me as like oh, I can I cannot work double the speed. That's uh, that's that's impossible. So we need to talk about scope. So that's something you you obviously need to explain. I and I if I get the chance, I try to explain this to to our our clients or potential clients. Obviously, uh, what, uh, that that is something that that we need to discuss. That we need to discuss scope or budget. Bedline is also one uh, that I I mentioned there uh, because. Um, if a deadline is really, really short, then we need to put a lot of people on it. But some deadlines are, are also impossible to, to get. We cannot we cannot work on a small project with 30 developers. That's that's simply not gonna be useful and it's going and, and it's also gonna increase costs a lot. Um so yeah, that's a, those are the three things and we always need to look like what can we adjust, what what is it cost, is it uh, scope or is it the deadline? All right, Wesley. Thank you for uh, the clear answers on the questions. I think we're going to leave it with that. All and right. uh, hope to see you next time. Yeah. And uh, goodbye, everyone. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.